And just like that, there are two teams left in the bubble. And believe it or not, it's the two teams we all expected would be here in the end. The Tampa Bay Lightning and the Dallas Stars? Let's talk about it. Welcome, welcome to episode number four of the Quick Mitts podcast. Yes, it's more hockey. We are in the Stanley Cup Finals, which will start today. I'm recording this on Friday, but the Stanley Cup Finals will start on Saturday when this will be released. I'm so excited. I want to say it's my favorite time of the year, but obviously things are a little odd now here in 2020, and we're having this Stanley Cup final in September, but hey, it is what it is, and the finals are among us. And I, for one, am so hyped. I'm ready for this. It's a matchup I'm happy with. Ultimately, what I was thinking about this when looking over some of the teams that were left, as you kind of, as, as things started to narrow down on the Western Conference, it still felt to me like Vegas was going to get there. I said that on the last show, and I genuinely believed it. The Dallas Stars, man. I want to start with them. We're going to talk about both these teams. This is not going to be a long episode. I just want to kind of break in and and discuss these two a little bit. And then let's just enjoy the show. We can break it all down, maybe during the finals and when it's over. But let's talk about these teams, all right? The Dallas Stars. We're getting right into them. Anton Hudobin. Man, look, is this guy the frontrunner for the Conn Smythe? You could easily say, well, there's guys with better numbers. Vasilevsky uh, for the Tampa Bay Lightning, the goaltender there, has better numbers. Is there a better story? I don't think so. When it comes to the Conn Smythe, we can get to that later. Um, ultimately, someone could steal the show during the finals. One of those guys, there's a, there's a decent amount of guys in the conversation, most of them on Tampa. But for the Dallas Stars, it's clearly, for me, Anton Hudobin and and what he's done as a backup goaltender being where they are right now. The old adage when it comes to hockey is that a hot goaltender can take you to the finals. That's what we're seeing. There's more to it than that when it comes to Dallas, but we're getting that, especially what we saw last round with Dallas versus Vegas. Robin Leonard had four shutouts in seven games, something like that. He was coming off of three shutouts in the previous series it's 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 unbelievable what this guy and what Vegas had done to put themselves again in position to try to compete for the Stanley Cup. But the Dallas Stars shut them down. Won that first game 1-0. to zero. Just everything has been impressive and incredible when it comes to this team. I said, and I brought this up on the last episode, that I thought that if Ben Bishop didn't play against the Calgary Flames, that Dallas wouldn't win that series. Now, things were tough at the beginning of the bubble to really know how these teams were going to perform after having three months off. That's going to be the continued argument for so many fans. And look, whatever you have to tell yourself, 
I, I saw people trying to make claims and trying to 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 shit on other teams and, and, and talk down on other teams' situations, as fans do. But using the excuse, and it's a ridiculous one, oh, well, the Islanders wouldn't have even made it into the playoffs if it wasn't for the bubble and for for COVID and, and for the stoppage and everything else. Tell me how any of that matters. It, we got what we got. We got to finish. We didn't have to finish the regular season, but we got we got the little round robin beforehand. We got some games to get the teams going, and we got a full playoffs. What is there to argue when it comes to you know? Well, based on how they were doing throughout the regular season, it is what it is. The situation is what it is, and we have the two teams that we have, and the Dallas Stars deserve to be here. The Tampa Bay Lightning deserve to be here. So we're talking about Anton Hudobin and Ben Bishop, specifically. Because, look, this was a built-in storyline on its own. Ben Bishop was the starting goaltender for the Tampa Bay Lightning in 2015 when they went to the Stanley Cup Finals and lost to the Chicago Blackhawks. It was the end of, of their, what, three titles in essentially six years. One of them was a shortened season. I think 2015 was the actual shortened season that they won. And... I, I brought this up again on the last episode that I, I had this conversation with my old roommate, Chris Eads, while we were living together, talking about what the Tampa Bay Lightning were going to be in the future and, and their core. Ben Bishop was a big part of that, in my estimation. Vasilevsky was a blip on the radar at the time. And now you look at Ben Bishop getting a resurgence in Dallas. I wasn't going to be surprised if Dallas did well, but I thought Ben Bishop was going to have a lot to do with it. I've always liked Anton Hudobin, excuse me. You know, he was good in Boston. He didn't really work out. I think he went to Carolina for a little bit, bounced around before he found himself in Dallas. But he was the kind of guy which a lot of backups fall into the same category in that they can be stellar. They're really good. They've had their time where they were starters growing up, you know, throughout their young careers before they got to the pros, where they were the guy. And at some point when you get to the pros, look, there's only 30 guys who can be the guy. And in any situation, there's probably about 15 to 20 where we're talking about legit starters. And then there's going to be a lot of bouncing around for some of the rest. I mean, there's not 30 legit number ones, in my opinion, in the NHL. You know, there's you have your guys that are going to be your every day. And then there's a lot of tandems being put together. There's a lot of other situations where, you know, you don't really have a, a, a legit number one. Hudobin is an like I said, like many other backup goaltenders in that they can be phenomenal when called upon. But it's very difficult to get that same level of production out of them throughout an entire regular season when they're called upon to be the guy. I think another great example of that is, is Thomas Grice for the New York Islanders. This is a guy who's had a couple of opportunities to kind of take the reins in Long Island. Uh, he had a chance in Arizona. And I believe there was another destination as well where he had a chance, but ultimately it proves out that he's better in spot duty and as a backup. Now, not and again, a traditional backup isn't even the sense when we're talking about backups because things are different now. There's a lot more tandems going along. A lot of teams don't want to put all that pressure on their goaltender, despite the fact that true number ones tend to love to just play as much as possible. But with backups... Like any, you just want them to be as good as they can be when called upon. But to expect any one goalie, really, to play upwards of 70 games just isn't something you expect anymore, despite what they might want. But Hudobin fit into that same category. He wasn't a guy 
that had proven he could be the guy long term. He could come in in spot duty and be great. He could come in after the starter's been pulled and be great. Maybe play the next game and be great. But you wouldn't look at him as the guy going forward. Now, this is a great sample size, and it's of the most important time of the year. So it's hard to tear down any of his accomplishments thus far. But even if they go through, win the Stanley Cup, and he's the Conn Smythe winner, you still might at the end of the season say and be right that he's not a legit number one starting goalie. And that's crazy, right? It doesn't matter really, ultimately. Look, I'm a Philly fan. What do people say about Nick Foles? I, I, I had the conversation with a friend of mine recently when it came to Nick Foles that, you know, the best you're going to get is if he plays about eight games instead of the full 16. Hopefully it's that second half of the year going into the playoffs. You know, he doesn't have the responsibility of being the number one all the time, but when he comes in to save the day, who's better? That's kind of what you get with some of these backup goaltenders. And I've always compared quarterbacks and goalies in a matter of how important they are to a franchise. Obviously, there's differences. One's always out there, and the other one is the entire offense, whereas a goaltender has nothing to do with the offense in certain aspects. Although, how well a, play, a team is able to play offensively, defensively, altogether can depend on their confidence in the goaltender. But Hudobin's been fantastic. And ultimately, I, I don't know what's going to happen with this team next year. Let's say they win the Cup. Let's say he's the Conn Smythe winner. I still think that there's a decision to be made on whether it's him or Ben Bishop the next year throughout the long haul of a regular season. 82 games is a long time. And you have to prove over a long time that you can be the guy. And the unfortunate thing for Ben Bishop is he tends to get hurt. And that injury has opened the door for someone like Hudobin to step in and be successful. So good for him because he's been phenomenal. And he had to be. Vegas outplayed Dallas in the last round. First, like I said already, the first game of that series, 1-0 Dallas wins. Incredible. Both teams coming off of Game 7 victories in which they had a 3-1 series lead that they blew and then had to come back and win Game 7. They both got it done. Robin Leonard had been fantastic. Hudobin had been fantastic. Hudobin won this duel. Vegas outshot Dallas every game of this series, if I'm correct. I'd have to go back and look at that. But I know that they heavily outshot them in the majority of the series. Dallas won. Last episode, we talked about the secondary scoring. We talked about the depth of the Dallas Stars and, that, and the fact that they were getting the scoring from other guys. Guys like Joe Pavelski, Goryanov. The other core we should talk about, because it's just so fascinating. How many phenomenal Finnish players have come through the Dallas Stars system. Right now, they have their fantastic Finnish Five. I mean, you go back through history, and there's a ton of great Finnish players that have played. Yuri Lettinen is one of the, the most unheralded uh, outside of Dallas. In Dallas, he's loved. But in a lot of places, people don't think about how good Yuri Lettinen was for a really long time. UC Jokinen was very good for this team. Scored his first nine goals in the shootout. Was a sensation for a while. This team is really good at picking up good Finnish players, and they've continued that tradition. Five notable Finnish players on this Dallas Stars team. Miro Heiskinen, their stud young defenseman. Essa Lindell, another great D-man on this team. Kiviranta, who we've gotten to experience in this bubble, scoring the big Game 7 overtime winner to complete his hat-trick to beat the Colorado Avalanche and win that series. 
You have Honka on defense and Rupe Hints, who, who a lot of people found out about last year or about two seasons ago. I, I love just that they have this this core family of guys um, who can kind of grow in that system, feel comfortable. There's a lot of situations where you see maybe there's a lot of Russian players in one system, like Washington, where a lot of the players will feel more comfortable because they have you know, a big-time Russian player on the team and Alexander Ovechkin. So they brought in different Russians at times that they knew maybe wouldn't feel the most comfortable if they were the only Russian player on that team, if they didn't have a notable guy like Ovechkin there as well. But him being there allowed them to grow well in their situations. You look at Kuznetsov. I mean, back before him, they had uh, Alexander Semen. At one point, they brought in uh, Sergei Fedorov. And there was just a good core of different guys that came through there. We all know the Russian five from Detroit. That was a much more dramatic situation, given it was the first. I mean, they were the, they were the first organization to really start to bring in the Russian players when they did. But this situation, I just think, is really cool in Dallas with their Finnish players. You hear about the Swedes so often. You hear about the Russian players, the Canadians, the Americans. The Finnish players are very, very, very talented as well and should not be left off of that hierarchy when it comes to European players. You got John Klinberg there, who's Swedish, but he's been there for a while, been established. But this this core of Finnish players has been noteworthy for this franchise. And I just think it's a really cool little story among everything else. But all of those guys are part of that, that core that has been huge for this Dallas Stars team to get to this point, to advance to this point, to be at their first Stanley Cup final since they went to back-to-back finals, won their only cup in 99, the controversial Brett Hall goal in the crease against Buffalo in overtime, and then losing to New Jersey the next year, trying to repeat in the year 2000. This is the first time they've been to the finals since then. So congratulations to the Dallas Stars to be where they are right now. It's a, it's a great story. We all know about Ben, Sagan, Radulov. I talked about them in previous episodes. They're their three stars. Everyone knows about them and the expectations that come with, with these three. Radulov has been great in these playoffs. Ben has been great in these playoffs at times. I mean, the stats don't jump out at you altogether, although if you look at them, they're still very impressive. But when you think about a team that's gotten as far as they have, a lot of focus is on the goal differential and that they have a minus goal differential. The only team since, what, the 68 St. Louis Blues, something like that, to get this far, to reach the Stanley Cup Final with a minus goal differential, although that included the round robin, which isn't even a real part of the playoffs. And (laughs) that's just kind of asinine that they included that because if you don't, they're a plus four. So then people started getting upset about analytics and all of this nonsense. Ridiculous. The point is, Ben, Sagan, Radulov, these are the stars. These are the studs. And as much as the depth players have stepped up for this team to get to this point, I expect these three to lead the way if the Dallas Stars are going to complete this thing. And I have no reason to believe that they won't. But I expect all three of them, and that means Tyler Sagan as well, because we have not called his name nearly enough in the Stanley Cup playoffs. This is a guy who has a ring himself as a rookie with the Boston Bruins back in 2011. And he needs to step up and be at his best to help his team get through this next task. 
But ultimately, what might be the best story about the Dallas Stars is their head coach, Rick Bonus. This is a team that he inherited, so to speak, as an assistant. This is a guy who, after his stint with the Ottawa Senators, probably thought he'd never get a head coaching job again. Back in, in the early 90s, he had a record as a head coach of 39, 178, and 18. And he struggled through that. And he's been an assistant for a long time, all the years in between, then and now. He's been an assistant on various teams, 11 teams in four decades he's been associated with as a coach. And the majority of things you'll hear is nothing but good things about this guy and the way he coaches and what kind of person he is. And you just have to feel great for him that he gets this opportunity. Now, I feel for Jim Montgomery, who was a coach here for the University of Denver, got the opportunity to go to the Dallas Stars and be their head coach. And it was, he was successful. He was great. And I was happy for him. And I don't want to get through his struggles and the reasons for his firing. They were personal issues. They weren't due to his abilities as a coach. And thankfully for him, it looks like he's righted that ship. He's gotten a job as an assistant, I believe, with St. Louis going forward. But he he was essentially forced to step down. The team moved on from him. And Rick Bonus got this chance. And you got to feel happy for him and where the Dallas Stars can potentially go from here in winning the Stanley Cup. So congratulations again to the Dallas Stars and everyone involved. But again, this team's going to win. They're going to need all that depth they've got and those big three to step up. Now, why do they need to step up? Not just because they're in the Stanley Cup Finals. They are facing the Tampa Bay Lightning, who did find their way now to the Stanley Cup Finals. They got through Game 6, another overtime game. They had back-to-back overtime games. A 3-1 series lead over the Islanders. Islanders, they were able to win that Game 5 in overtime. It was a Kevin Shattenkirk fanned-on shot from the point. And back two-on-one the other way went the Islanders, and Jordan Everly gets the game winner. Nothing against the New York Islanders or the Tampa Bay Lightning in that situation, but that's puck luck right there. I tried to explain puck luck to a friend of mine who's not a big hockey fan, and it's hard to exactly explain, but that's a perfect example of just, look, sometimes that's all it takes is one bounce to go off your stick the wrong way, and it goes the other direction, and you're in trouble. And again, talk about luck. They had to kill off a penalty, a four-minute high-sticking penalty going into overtime. I think part of it was in the end of the third period. I I can't remember exactly how much time it was up to, about a minute of overtime or of, of the third period where they had to kill this penalty. And then there was like three minutes of overtime where they had to complete it, and they were able to. And I was already writing down the notes about, man, are they gonna be able to, are they gonna have the same fate that Vegas dealt with? Vegas, oh man, quick sidebar on this one. On what is arguably the second worst rule in hockey right now, the, the, the clearing of the puck over the glass in your defensive end to get a delay of game penalty, man, you got to feel for White Cloud, who was the defenseman for the Vegas Golden Knights, who you know was trying to beat a forward to the puck, chopped at it, it goes over the glass, he gets a delay of game, for a rule that's literally only meant where if your team gets trapped in your own zone and you intentionally shoot it over the glass just to get a change, just to get a whistle, that's what the reason was for. You don't want teams doing that directly. Yet the majority of the time this penalty is enforced is on accident. And a team <laughs> had to deal with that in overtime in the playoffs gets eliminated because a guy's just trying to beat a forward to the puck and he chops it over the glass. 
and you're going to call that delay of game. The only rule worse than that right now in the league is the trapezoid behind the net where the goalie can't play it. And they call that delay of game too because the goalie's trying to keep the play going. Asinine. Ridiculous. And as much as I... I, I saw so much on this too after the fact of you know people talk, talking about trying to add more offense to hockey and, and what things. That's why this rule was in there in the first place to create more power plays and more offense. We've already gotten all of that since 2006. All these extra rules to make the game faster and, and, and more offense and more power plays. We have enough. Yet I'm still seeing people on Twitter saying that hockey needs to adapt the way all these other sports are to, to, to get offense going. They want goalies' pads smaller, the nets bigger. Get out of here. This is not your game to change. I just... This is not lacrosse. I saw someone saying that, that you shouldn't allow all four guys to get to a certain point. Someone should have to stay back. Those are lacrosse rules. Get the fuck out of here. I don't want there to be 9, 10, 11 goals for one team in games. That you're aver it's just ridiculous. This is one of the rules that just needs to go. Hockey is far better with medium to lower scoring games than it is with ridiculous. It's fun when there's high scoring games, but that cannot be the norm. But let's get back to it. <laughs> Tangent over. Back to the Tampa Bay Lightning, who I again, like I was saying, I was I was writing it down that watch Tampa advance on this unfortunate for the Islanders high sticking penalty in overtime, and it was a ridiculous one too because he was like four feet away from I think it was Sergachev that took the stick in the mouth, and man, Sergachev really sold that, and he didn't even need to as long as you're bleeding, you're good, you got the four minutes, but man, he really sold that, and it's just this little cut on his lip, but. The Islanders survived that. Eberle got the goal. They moved on. They get to game six. Another overtime. And yet Anthony Sorelli this time. Anticlimactic goal. You couldn't tell it went in right away. He didn't really know and then kind of slowly celebrated. Doesn't matter. Tampa Bay advances. Gets past the Islanders. A hard-fought conference finals for the Islanders to get to where they were. Congratulations to them. As much as I don't like them, I, don't, I do not like the Islanders for many reasons. One of which is my team losing, but it was. there's a lot of other reasons other than that. But you cannot say this team got there from luck or that they didn't deserve to be in the conference final because they did. They worked their asses off and they deserved to be where they were. Bubble, no bubble. Season ending when it did, does not matter. I don't care. The Islanders worked hard to be with every team that's where they are right now. Dallas deserves to be here. Tampa deserves to be here. That's all that matters. Tampa got it done against the Islanders and now here they are. Now, I put a poll out on Twitter that was about the Conn Smythe, as in who is the leader for the Conn Smythe right now. And I put Anton Hudobin, and then I put two Tampa Bay Lightning, and then other. The two Tampa Bay Lightning were Victor Hedman and Braden Point. Now, you could throw Kucherov in there, or you could throw Vasilevsky in there. I, th I thought about Hudobin as being the guy, given that Dallas is nowhere near stacked the way that the Tampa Bay Lightning are. And it's just tough because then otherwise, what if I had Vasilevsky, Hedman, and Point? <laughs> those are all members of the Lightning. And then Kucherov has 26 points, leading the team by far. It's a He tied a Tampa Bay Lightning franchise record for playoff points with Brad Richards from 2004 when they won the Cup, when he won the Conn Smythe. And the essential results, Hedman won by a hair. And essentially, you know, it was almost even. So I think it was like just a vote or two more for Hedman than anyone else. It wasn't many votes. It was just a few hours of voting. But it just shows you how stacked this Tampa Bay Lightning team is. Yes, and the argument immediately came from another goalie friend of mine that Vasilevsky should be the starter over Kudobin. 
or the favorite, excuse me, over Hudobin for the Conn Smythe Trophy. And I don't disagree in a general sense. I don't feel that Vasilevsky's numbers are better. And he's been fantastic throughout these playoffs. He's started every game, and he's deserved to, and he's been great. But he has a great team in front of him. I'm just more impressed with what Hudobin has done as a backup. But I understand the argument, and there's no reason to hold it against Vasilevsky that he's on such a great team. It's just hard to make the argument for an award such as this that he is, you know, the overall difference maker, the catalyst for a team that has so much firepower. But I understand it, and I have nothing against it. And if Vasilevsky wins it, great. But ultimately, the Smythe doesn't need to, to take too much of our time, given that the winner of the Smythe could really be proven within the finals. Naturally, as it should be. So someone could steal it. Hudobin could be phenomenal and steal it, or guarantee it. Or, Point could go off, Kucherov could go off, Hedman can continue to go off, and one of those guys could get it. But I am, honestly, out of all those guys, I'm probably most impressed with Victor Hedman. Six foot six, this guy is an absolute freak. And he is just ripping goals right now. He's got nine in his last 14 games, I think, and a lot of them are big goals. They're not just, you know, he's, he's getting the first one on the board and or he gets one late in a blowout win. No, Victor Hedman's scoring big, important goals for his team all throughout these playoffs. He is a tower of power back there, and he is super fun to watch, and I'm loving it. And if anything, I, I, I like him as, as the biggest difference maker of anyone that's in these playoffs, to be honest. That's, that's just for my eye test. Stats will go one way. You know, again, Vasilevsky's numbers are incredible. Point has been incredibly clutch. Kucherov has all the points that he has. Hudobin's been great. Ben's been great. All these guys have been fantastic. But for me, it's Victor Hedman. But again, let's let the finals decide. But ultimately, look look at this Tampa team. We, we can talk about them and, and praise them as much. I'm really sad for Steven Stamkos that he's not here. We, we talked about it a little bit in the last episode as well. I just, a guy with that much talent, you can't help but feel so bad for and that he's missing out on these prime years where his team is fantastic. His team is phenomenal, and he's not getting to be there for it, yet they're still here. And it would be a great story if somehow he could take the ice at some point in these finals, but I'm doubting that greatly. He was ruled out of the conference finals pretty quickly. I haven't heard officially about the finals for him, but you have to imagine that he can't play. He had an abdominal surgery, I think, in March. And then he had an, a lower body injury. Of course, we have no idea what that means. But a lower body injury that he was sustained within the bubble. So I, I, I feel bad for Stammer, but look what his team's doing without him. And can you just imagine what they'd be doing with him? And we've gone through the list and everything about Tampa and all the great players on this team and how great they are. And I just it all kind of cycles back to this team back in 2015. Finally getting back to the finals. A team that broke records. Not essentially broke records, but just... When you look at their stats from last season, it just kind of blows your mind. You're thinking it's a team from the from the early 90s, late 80s, with the stats they were putting up. Kucherov had 128 points last year. But look, ultimately, this is a great matchup. I'm happy. I, I wanted Vegas and Tampa just because I thought those two teams just running back and forth each other. It was just going to be unbelievable. Up, back and forth, hockey all over the ice. It was going to be physical, high scoring potentially. Whether that matters, I mean, maybe not, given how good these two goalies have been. I just thought that was going to be a really exciting, stylistical matchup. But the Dallas Stars, again, earned their right to be here. And just because, for all the same reasons, you look at what Vegas and, and Dallas had in that series, you can make the same arguments for how this series can go in a lot of ways, for how Tampa might be able to dominate a lot of the possession 
They might get a lot more shots. They might create a lot more chances. But can you beat Anton Hudobin? And I'm not saying that he's unstoppable. But there's just something about certain teams sometimes. You can look at a goaltender and say, yeah, man, that goalie's just on it. But there's a lot that comes from that. It's not just that the goalie's on it, but the team's confidence that comes from that. There's so many instances of just a hot goaltender leading the way. But again, think about how a team plays knowing they have the confidence of their goalie back there. Look, he's going to get it. I, I think to so many different instances playing myself in that when we had a goalie start a game that we just weren't that confident in, you grip the stick a little more. You're a little less likely to take chances because you don't want that coming back in on you on your own end. Dallas isn't afraid of that with their backup goaltender in net. And the confidence that Dobby has given them throughout these playoffs has been so great to watch. And they're just a fun team. You heard Chicklets bringing it up. Uh, I listened to it today on today's episode. Or may I just listened to it today. It may have been from a couple of days before. But they talked about the beginning of the bubble when Jamie Benn walked in with a ton of luggage. And he looked over at the camera and was like, we're planning on being here a while. I love it. I love it so much. Because, yeah, sure, every team could say that. And every team could have the same thought process. But we're seeing it. The proof's here. I'm so happy for multiple players on the Dallas team, minus Corey Perry, because no one likes Corey Perry. I don't want to hear what you have to say, any Ducks fans out there. No one likes Corey Perry. But everyone else on that Dallas team, how could you not love them? How could you not love this story for these guys? Tampa Bay, look, they deserve to be there based on skill alone, and they're putting it all together, and they have earned it, and they deserve it as well. And now, look, now let's just sit back and enjoy, because this is the best time to watch hockey at its best. Other than Stamkos, who's been out basically the whole time, no one's really lost a player throughout these play, like during the playoffs, and you're like, man, I wish this guy was in there. It's it's a bummer Stamkos isn't there, but they've had so many, so much time over the last couple of years where he's been out anyway. It's just not that. Again, I said in the last episode, I forgot he wasn't playing, so it's harder to, to include him in that. Although it's it's devastating, he's not there. This is great hockey with two mostly healthy teams, and I just I can't wait for this final. It it would be so easy to say. But the Tampa Bay Lightning are just going to win this. They're the better team. Because they are on paper. But you could have made that argument the last three rounds for the Dallas Stars. That the better team lost. Calgary and Dallas, maybe a bit of a wash on paper. Maybe Dallas is better. Colorado, Nathan McKinnon was on fire. Kadri on fire. Injuries, they kind of fall apart. Dallas is a bit of a beneficiary there. But they earned it. They worked their asses off and they won that series. And then they handled who I think was the best team in the West anyway in Vegas. So, look, I could say Tampa's going to win this and that they should just outright win this. But hey, Vegas outplayed the Dallas Stars in the last round and Dallas won it handily. Handily. So let's see. You want a prediction? I just hope this shit goes six, seven games. Give me, give me six, seven games of a Stanley Cup final. I don't want anyone to win this easily. And I don't think it's going to be easy, but again, I don't want a short series. But based on what we've seen so far, I don't think we're going to get a short series. But there is something to say about just a team that just you have a feeling about. And I've, I brought this up at multiple times with friends of mine off air. There's just something about this Dallas team right now. 
Now, you could say the same thing about Tampa, given what they should have gotten done last year and the way they turned things around and put themselves back here again. And Tampa could have their own levels of destiny. But there's just something about this Dallas team for me, man. Give me the Dallas Stars in seven games. This is episode number four of the Quick Mitts podcast. I will see you very, very soon. And we will talk about how this all wrapped up. I cannot wait to just sit back and watch hockey at its finest. Thank you for joining me. Again, episode number four of the Quick Mitts Hockey Podcast. You can find this on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and like seven podcast sites I've never heard of. So thank you for joining me for this one. Can't wait to see you next time. Thank you.